So the question is, how do busy dads get into great shape with limited time, space, and equipment, all while enjoying the process and without sacrificing family time? If you want to know the secrets to dialing in your nutrition, being consistent, and staying motivated to achieve your fitness goals once and for all, then this is the podcast for you. I'm Kevin Torres, and this is the Dad Bod Wad Podcast. All right, what's up, Legacy Makers? Welcome to another episode of the number one podcast for busy dads who want to go from dad bod to fit dad and lose your first 20 plus pounds without fasting, without cutting carbs, and without sacrificing family time. And on this show and inside of my program, we're teaching busy dads just like you how to do just that. So hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And on today's episode, I'm joined by a super special guest, Kurt Storing, who is the podcast host of the Dad Work Podcast, um, just an overall amazing dude. And he is like changing guys' lives and ultimately having an impact on not just individual men, but their families and for generations to come. And I'm so excited to share his story with you because I know you're going to be so inspired by not only his story and my experience within his story, but also just like your own story and how you can level up as a husband as a man, as a father, so that you could show up to be all those three things that your family needs you to be. Kurt, what is up, man? Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for that. That's an awesome intro, by the way, both the uh, podcast intro and for me, man, like that's one of the best. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that over and over because it's just hit all the right points, man. I'm excited to be here. Dude, man, I'm so excited that you're here too, because, um, you know, I came across, I, I, I just listened to a podcast episode of another show and I heard heard you on it and like your candor and just your vulnerability, you were saying the quiet things in my head out loud, the things that I was like struggling with, like as a dad, you know, like as a husband, as a father, and and you were saying them out loud. And like, it gave me permission to sort of like also say them out loud and to like address them head on. And, you know, frankly, you know, these are things that I've been wrestling with and thinking about already for like several months and several years since I've had kids. But, um, you know, you were able to put it in such a succinct sort of like format where I was like, all right, I freaking get it. I understand what my mission is. I got to freaking do this. Um, so just to give everybody like a quick um, overview, you, you, you specialize on sort of like helping guys get over, you know, like helping guys yell less at their kids, at their wives, right? And becoming more of a leader and the husband and a father that their families need them to be, right? And we can talk about all the details within that, but in a nutshell, it's like, yell less, lead more, right? Um, so before we jump into all that though, like what did you do before you got into like the dad work stuff? Man, uh, well, for the last 10 years, I've been an entrepreneur. I have had a uh, an internet marketing business mostly surrounding uh, affiliate marketing, SEO. And so I was at the whims of Google and Amazon and every other <laughs> algorithm that was out there. And uh, that was super stressful. It was also very non-relational. And I think that sort of leads into the whole story of how we got here. Uh, I was just alone. <clears throat> like I was lone wolfing it, thought that was awesome. It's like, right. yeah, I'm a self-made man. I'm super cool. I don't need any help. Over and over and over again. And, you know, that was... We could just get into the origin story if you want. I mean, is that helpful? <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. So, you know, I, 10 years ago now, started uh, my business and that was just as my wife became pregnant. So we moved a thousand kilometers out to the uh, coast here in Vancouver, started a new business, decided like, I'm not going to get another job. Basically the most responsible thing a young father could do. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I made it work, thankfully on the business side of things, but 
I was just faced with so much, well, just unknown. I didn't know how to be a dad. I didn't know how to be a husband. Nobody taught me these things. Mm -hmm. And uh, just with some of the stuff from my past, I ended up being quite a bad at being a dad and a husband. In fact, terrible. And my kids would be scared of me because I would yell at them. Uh, my wife just like totally disconnected from me because I wasn't offering her anything. No romance, no love, no psychological safety, no emotional safety. And things were terrible. But I could lock myself in my office and I could work 12 hours a day. And that was sweet. Uh, and I just was like chasing that. And I was just chasing that forever. And we decided to travel after we had two kids. We lived in Thailand. We lived in Eastern Europe. We lived in a whole bunch of different places. Wow. And that was sweet because it was like living the dream. We're doing the thing that I said I always wanted to do when the business was successful. And it's like, why does it suck? And the reason it sucked is because I sucked at being a man, husband, and father. And so there were times on that journey where, I mean, basically it was threatened with divorce. Um, I got suicidal at a point because I knew I was the worst thing in my kids' lives. And that's tragic, man. Like as a dad, I'm supposed to be the best thing. I'm supposed to lead them. I'm supposed to build them up. And here I am yelling and, and worse, like, well, I don't know, maybe not physically worse, but like, um, shaming, emotionally scarring all these sorts of things, um, that were just terrible for them. And now I see the consequences even today. Now that things are better, I'm constantly reminded with where I've come from and I've constantly had to battle against that. And so I realized that my business wasn't the only important thing in my life. And I realized there was a lot of stuff holding me back from reaching my potential with my family. And so I started going into those things. I mean, when you come up to the point where you're like, I think it'd be better if I just died, you start looking for solutions because it's like, well, I don't really want to do that, but I'm <laughs> pretty upset. Um, right. So like, what are the other, what else can I do? And so I started looking just that one little shred of hope. Things could get better. Things could get better. What is the one thing? What is the one thing? And I came across mindfulness. I came across journaling. I came across uh, men's group eventually. And all of these things kind of flywheeled to the point where I just grew up. Like I stopped being that little boy that I felt like I was. And like, we can talk about all that sort of stuff because that's childhood wounds and all that kind of good, exciting yeah. stuff that guys probably want to hear about. <laughs> but I finally realized like through these things, I just grew up and I became a man. And that journey from feeling like a child to feeling like a man has changed everything. And a big part of that was not being so isolated to bring it sort of full circle. Uh, and so that's what I'm trying to do right now is bring guys together, get them into groups, masterminds, programs, coaching, whatever it is, just be around other men. Because like you just said, once you hear some other man's story, you realize, oh, I'm not so different or I'm not so special or, oh, I can talk about this too. Cause I feel that same thing. And there's only so many stories which is weird because we're all unique and we've all got unique journeys, but like the principles underneath our stories are so similar that just hearing from and being around other men who are being honest and open like this is life-changing. So that's a little bit about where this comes from. And now it's just like, man, if I can stop dads from getting to that point that I got to, that's worth everything to me. All I want is to just not have guys get to that brink of like suicide. What if they did it? And what if I could just help them stay out of that? And selfishly, I want to live in the world that these men create because these men become right. better fathers and the better fathers raise better children, the better children have better families eventually, and so on and so forth. And 40 years from now, two generations, whatever that is, things are going to be way different if we can just touch enough men, if we can raise enough fathers to do this kind of work. So that's a little bit about where we're coming from. Dude, I love all that. And first of all, I think there's a couple of things that I wanted to unpack there and like build on because because what you just said is sort of like um, about like selfishly wanting to impact these guys so that the world that your 
kids grow up in is just a better place. Like before I, you know, uh, I, I used to be in education. I was a middle school vice principal and a teacher before that. And like part of the reason, like here in New York City, selfishly was also because like, I was like, if I can raise these kids, they're going to be the people who are on the train with me and my family when I'm, you know, going to work. Right. And like, they're just gonna be better people, hopefully, than than if I just sort of like let kids just happen the way they happen and then grow up to be whatever they grew up. Right. I was like, so maybe if I can impact them a little earlier, then when they're on the train with me, it's just a little bit more pleasant. So I, I totally resonate with that. And that thought, I hadn't thought about that for so long until you mentioned that. The other thing I think is really important that you, that, that I really wanted you to share is that this isn't because you are some psychologist and this has been your field studying men and, and, you know, and, and all this other stuff. And so therefore now you're just applying some theory. This is a lived experience. You are an entrepreneur first, you had a successful business, you have three kids and through that, you know, trial and error, like realizing, man, I have no idea what I'm doing. In fact, I'm doing a real bad job, quote unquote. And like, I need to do something about this. And then through that transformation, being inspired to then help other people. Right. Because, um, Again, like, I think that's so important to hear because so many guys, you know, when they, you know, even like fitness gurus, like, it's like, oh, you've always been in shape and now you're telling me how to get in shape, but you don't know what it's like to be out of shape. And this is like, no, no, no. I know what it's like to be out of shape and you know what it's like to be a really angry dad and, you know, or, or not a great dad. And so like, I think that's really important for, for guys to hear as well that like, like we're coming from like, you know, a place of experience and not just like, here's like a degree that I have. Let me teach you like the theory of that stuff. Yes. Um, that's, that's really important, man. So thanks so much for sharing all that. And like, just a little bit about me in, in regard to that experience. I think what, what, what really resonated with me is that like, when I had, you know, we have three kids now, when I had our first, when we had our first up until like, maybe she's like 18 months or so, like I was like the best dad possible, right? Because you know, your babies are pristine. They don't, they don't do anything wrong. And then at like 18 months, maybe 19, they start to get a little personality. They push back a little bit. Right. And then I noticed like, I would like, you know, not, again, I'm not like belligerent. I'm not breaking things around my kids. I'm not hitting them, but just the little things like a snapping here, a yelling there and like seeing sort of like the fear and the intimidation. It's like, I am like 10 times your size and like, you are aware of that. And I'm also making you aware of that. And with, with like, and I'm, I'm intimidating you and I'm threatening you and I'm scaring you. And it's like, is this effective? Like, cause again, like as a teacher, we know that that's not effective. Like we know like scaring kids into submission doesn't work. You have to build relationships and all that stuff, logical consequences, et cetera. And then with the second kid, same thing, like snapping more and all that. It's like, man. So the first thing I did was I stopped drinking. And again, I wasn't a belligerent or anything like that, but like four years ago when we had our second, I was like, I'm done drinking. It's not serving me. Right. Um, so it's just like little things like that, but still like short tempered here, short tempered there. And, and then I've had moments in my life where I'm like, the, the good thing about little kids is like, they don't, they're going to rat you out. Right. Like, so if ever I yelled at my kids or something, they would go like, mom, you know, dad's yelling at me or something like that. I'm like, damn it. So it's like, okay, I can't keep this up. Like, I can't like use this as like a thing because one, they're going to rat me out, but two, it's, not, it's just not effective. And I want my kids to be able to like, come up to me and tell me when something is wrong. I want my kids to be able to like, you know, share experiences with me and not think that I'm going to go off the hand, off the deep end. I want my kids to like, know that if they did something wrong, like, like I could potentially be upset at the situation, but I'm also going to like be supportive and I'm also going to help them. Right. And so, um, and I would say, you know, up, there's so much, so much more I, I, I want to talk about in terms of even like relationships and your wife and all that stuff. 
the last thing I'll say, and then I'll let you just like sort of like, because there's there, this isn't a, even a question, but the last thing I'll say is like, what I ultimately realized and from, you know, like through your messaging and through um, like a beta course of yours that I took is just like, you have to just take all the ownership and you can't expect, you can't wait for, you know, your kids to dictate your, your moods and your happiness. And you can't wait for your wife to do these things. Like you ultimately have to take extreme responsibility and not do it with resentment and not do it begrudgingly. You have to just like do it like excited, open heart. Like I'm doing this. I'm excited about this. And like, if I get anything in return, great. If I don't also great, like this is my responsibility. Yes, man. I thank you for sharing all that, by the way. Um, it's always really exciting to be I know able this to is talk to people. interview, but I'm, I'm doing all the well, Yeah, no, it's, like, it's, it's good, man. I, I want to know more about like all of this from you so that I get a better sense of like how I can serve through courses and, and coaching and stuff like that. So I really appreciate it. Um, but a couple of things that you said there, first of all, if you guys still drink, please stop. Like there's literally nothing positive about it. Exactly. And I know people are like, oh no, it doesn't hurt anyone. It's just like one drink. Like, dude, first of all, calories, if you track your calories <laughs> and your macros, which I'm sure you do, if you're on Kevin's program, like, dude, just stop. It's not worth it. And I remember the last time that I drank and I have like maybe half a glass of wine every couple of weeks because I meet with my grandfather. That's all. Never do more than that. But I think five or six years ago when I was living in Thailand still, I went out and this was again, the first time in two or three years. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to you know, have a good night with the boys. I'm not leaving soon. Being woken up at 7 a.m. after getting home at 3 a.m. by kids yes. jumping on you and then having to spend the whole rest of the day feeling like that is the worst. It's like, there's literally nothing good about it. So stop. Uh, second of all, I want to touch on actions, the antidote, man. Like I didn't go to school for this. I've done a ton of training. Like I've done a ton. And first of all, school of hard knocks teaches best. So I have spent literally, this would be eight years now since I started looking into this kind of stuff. Uh, eight years of mostly suffering and pain, which I think right. helps to learn because you don't want to learn these same mistakes twice. Uh, I spent probably I don't know, thousands of hours at this point, reading, coaching, training, webinars, this, that, all the other things. And on top of that, like probably tens of thousands of dollars learning all this stuff as well. So like, it's not a psychology degree, but in fact, it probably works better because <laughs> right. I put in double the amount of work uh, and it's all been for me and my family, not like, oh, one day I'm going to help people. It's like, dude, this right. is saving my life. And if you guys want that sort of results in your life, I think you got to take action. Action's the antidote to average and you have to take action to get into a program to get fit, but you have to also take action to get mentally fit, spiritually fit, emotionally fit. These things are equally as important. And I think I'm really excited about your program because I think in my life, discipline and fitness leads to all other things. Because when I feel good, when I show up better, when I'm more disciplined, it bleeds over into everything else. But I still need to know how the heck do I do the other stuff? And so that's where I think like, you just got to start doing it. You hear this like, oh, what is mindfulness? What is journaling? Like, I don't know, dude, just go try. Go find an article on it. Go like talk to me, DM me or something. I'll give you some journal prompts or I'll give you like an idea on what to do and then do it. The reason that I love working with entrepreneurs so much is because they take action. Like I've worked with so many guys, all walks of life. And every time I have a coaching client who's an entrepreneur, I give them like two to 10 things to do. And sometimes I'm like, oh man, I'm overwhelming this guy. And he'll come back the next week. He's like, okay, I'm all done this is great. Now what? And it's like, oh dude, you, when you just do the thing, life gets better. And so don't like think about it too much. Don't go, oh, I don't feel like it too bad. Your family is not waiting for you to figure it out. Your kids don't stop aging. They don't get closer to that moment when they leave the home because you're like, oh dude, I don't know what to do. Whatever the case is, like they are getting older and they are seeing you not be there. 
that should be motivation enough every single day to become the best person you possibly could without delay. Invest whatever you need. If I knew that there were programs like mine or yours or anything like that 10 years ago, dude, I would have spent everything I had to go get in that because there is no second chances here. This is something you cannot go back when they're 18, 20, leave the house. You're like, oh, hey, remember all those moments I didn't spend with you? I'm ready to come to your game now. It's like, dad, I haven't played soccer in like 10 years. What are you doing, man? And I don't care about it because you don't care about me. And that's the thought that our kids have if we don't invest in them starting today. So it's never too late. I have seen this happen with many men. They own up, like you said as well. They own up to their failures and they give their children time when they get older and beautiful relationships can be built. So I don't want to scare you away from not doing this work if you have older children, right. but you do have to own it. You have to take responsibility for everything that happened. And like you said as well, the expectation has to be, I'm doing this because it's right. Not because I'm going to get sex. Not because my kids are going to like act better. Not because the behavior is going to improve. I am showing up this way because the expectation is I'm the dad. I'm the only one who can bear this burden. And in fact, part of my own fatherhood ethos, which I encourage everyone to write, is that I joyfully and with gratitude carry the burden for my family. That's just like, that is fundamental to my existence is I'm going to be joyful about it. And I'm going to be grateful for the opportunity. And I'm going to take on as much as I can because nobody else can. My kids are too young for that. And you know, I've got three boys, so I'll give them some of their own burden as we get older to train them. But for my wife and for my little kids right now, dude, I'm taking more and more and more. I'm like liver king out here more because <laughs> I want to take everything off of their back and put it on mine and show up joyfully without any expectation. And man, life gets better when you do that. You stop complaining. You stop playing the victim. You stop going, oh, she didn't do this for me. It's like, dude, who cares? You look yourself in the eye at the end of the day and you are fired up because you're a man of integrity. Nothing beats that. So I don't know where we're going with that other than to say, yeah, man, I'm just riffing on everything you're saying. Hell yeah. No, I love all that because the, the thing is, is like, it's, it requires a lot of work, right? And it's not, it, it's not easy what, what you're describing and what I'm, you know, currently going through. It's not easy to just to take extreme ownership, to do it, um, you know, like openly and joyfully and, and with gratitude, as opposed to like begrudgingly, you know, it's not easy to like, when you're feeling really exhausted and your wife is asking you for one more thing to say, okay, like, it's not easy when you're, when it's at the end of the night, you're trying to put your kids to sleep and like you, you didn't yell all day. And now they're playing like the night games of like one I more thing, so one more thing, one more thing. Yeah. And all you want to do is be like, just get in your bed. And you're like, no, I can't yell now either. Like, this is like the last, I, this is how I'm going to ruin the whole day, you know, like just get in bed, you know? And it's like, man, I, I was, I didn't yell all day. Now I yelled. What a waste of a day, essentially. Right. Like none of that is easy, but like, it's just about showing up. And one of the things that I, I, I love that you mentioned um, and, you know, you, for anybody who's not following Kurt on Instagram, you have to go follow him at Kurt dad, Kurt dot dad dot work. Dadwork.kurt. Um, yeah. Dadwork.kurt. It's, it's triggering. And that's the point. The point is to trigger you now, as opposed to when your kids are 18 and they've left and they don't want to come back or your wife has taken the kids and they've left you, right? Get triggered now so that you can fix the thing and not have resentful children and a hateful wife in the future. And it's, you know, and again, not to bring this about health and fitness, but sometimes, you know, when we, you know, I, people will be like, oh, you shouldn't say that. It's like, I'm not saying this to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm saying if it triggers you good, I want you to take action instead of a scary doctor's diagnosis in 10 years from now makes you take action, right? Like take action today. But um, so anyway, going back to what you said about, you know, like 
doing it now so that your kids in, in 20 years from now are don't not talk to you, right? Um, I think that's so important. But but Kurt, and, and you can riff on that too if you'd like, but but why do guys struggle with this so much? Why do guys struggle with like, you know, not yelling? Is it a masculinity thing? Is it like a, this is how they were raised? Is it, we don't know how to process our emotions? Is it a power dynamic? Like, why did I struggle with this? Yeah, man, there's so much, uh, there's so many reasons. And it's, you know, each man will have a different ratio of which reason his is. I think fundamentally, it is a lack of strong fathers and a lack of strong masculinity in society. That's, I think, fundamental. For me, I mean, I am newly a man of faith, so I would say it's also a God-sized hole in the culture. Um, But even without that, there is this hunger for fathers. There is this hunger for men who can teach and guide and lead. And almost no one that I talk to has had that. And that's not to condemn their fathers. Their fathers had fathers who were of certain, you know, style as well. And so they probably didn't get what they were looking for. But I've heard a number of things that suggested that after, you know, the war and all this kind of stuff in World War II that came out, like there just was a different type of man who was here and they were rebelling against certain things. And they came to be in a world of sort of excess and fun. I was talking to a guy in my podcast, Jim Ramos, uh, and he's... I think 20 years older than me. So he was saying in the eighties, it was all about fun. You just do the thing that you like because there was so much excess. Everything was great. And then these are the type of men who are sort of raising the dads of today. And that wasn't always easy to get across any lessons. It wasn't always easy to make sacrifices, which I think is a huge part of being a man and growing up in, in any society, but especially this one. And so without strong fathers who intentionally initiate their sons especially, you have a whole society now of men who don't even know if they're men. There's this question on their heart. Am I like, did I, did I become a man? Am I a man now? Like, how do I know that? Cause I got my driver's license. Cause I graduated university. Cause I graduated high school. Cause like I couldn't drink. Cause I had sex. Cause I have a kid now. Like there's no actual initiation that says, yes, I'm a man and I can stand in this And therefore, there's no one who's willing to take stands for anything that's right. Right. And when that's the case, you don't know what's worth fighting for. And when that's the case, you don't know who you are in relation to everyone else around you. You're constantly seeking either validation through women or sports or drugs or business. And basically, there's no firm foundation of masculinity. And people say, oh, it's toxic masculinity, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, dude, the only thing talks about masculinity is that there's no true masculinity anymore. We have to be more manly. We have to be more masculine. And that means for me, at least being extremely balanced. I want to be, this is my whole thing. You got to be hard to kill, easy to love. And then in the middle of that, that's giving, that's what equips you to lead. You know, either extreme, you're a savage, you're a warrior, you're a beast. And when you go home, you are the gentlest kindest, most compassionate, loving father and husband. And in that middle point lies an area of discernment. When do I use either extreme in what situation? And I think we've just lost that. And so we get angry. For me, it was control. I wanted to be perfect because if I was perfect, then I would get the love of other people. And this is a nice guy thing. If you guys have read, um, was it Robert Glover's No More Mr. Nice Guy? So there's all of these external factors that we're looking to fit into the world. And without a strong father telling us, yes, son, you are now a man. Here's what you need to do. Here's what's expected of you. Okay, dad, thanks. I'm good. I was going, just let me speak personally. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what am I optimizing for here? 
Is it power? Is it control? Is it kids got to listen to me? Is it obedience? Like, is it love? Didn't feel like love. What am I optimizing for? And without any guide, man, I was lost. And I think that's the problem is that most guys have no other men around them. They got bros, but they don't have brothers. There's no father figures. They're not willing to seek that out. So they're lonely and they're trying to figure it out on their own. And to make matters worse, just remember what you said as well about emotions. We are put in this man box where if you have emotions, you're not a, you're not a man. Men don't have emotions. And if they do, then they're women or they're worse. Um, and so that sort of thing. I mean, I don't want to get so deep into emotion that I just become right. this emotional creature. But dude, emotions are not good nor bad. And I think I say in the course, uh, they're just like a dashboard. There's, mm-hmm. there's statistics, they're data. And if you're feeling angry, then you can use that to be like, oh, dang, where is that pointing to in my life that something's wrong? It's like a flashing red light. So using that emotion as a tool to improve your life and act better, like that's masculine, man. That's manly. And it's not uh, anything else. And so there's probably a trillion reasons why this right. is so hard. But I think through the combination of no father figures, no masculine friends, uh, and no idea what masculinity means, while also then looking for approval everywhere, else, but showing up as a good man, uh, guys get lost. For me, like I said, it was control. It was looking to be loved for who I was, uh, for what I was doing, not who I was being. And uh, yeah, man, like there's there's so many more. I could continue on this, but I'm just going to stop there for now because that's <laughs> the biggest brunt of it. Yeah, I mean, like the biggest thing that I'm hearing is just like one, there are no like we don't. There's a there's a huge lack of like role models in terms of like this is what an ideal man should be. We're not like teaching our children how to do this, right? We weren't raised with that. Um, in fact, like I was raised just with a, by a single mother, so um, I didn't even have a father figure or a father per se growing up. My my father figure was probably my brother who is like seven years older than me. And that's not fair to put that responsibility on like a teenager. Right. Um, And so, and then the other thing that I'm, that I'm hearing is like this sort of like self-centeredness where it's like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's also like, I feel sorry for myself. So I want people to like, listen to me and this and that, the other thing. And so like when your kids are acting out, it's like, you're probably not so mad that they're acting out per se. You're mad at, you're mad about something in you because they're acting like, so they're acting out. So what does that mean for you? That means you don't lack control. Does that mean you're, you don't have, you don't give clear directions. Does that mean you're, they don't respect you. Does that mean other parents are going to judge you? Right. It's usually like about yourself. Like when you're getting mad at like your kids or mad at your wife or something else, it's like, well, are you really mad at them? Are you mad at yourself right now for something? And then I loved what you said about like emotions are just sort of like a, you know, like a dashboard, a barometer, like check engine, check this. It's like, okay, I'm feeling really anxious right now. Okay. Well, rather than breaking a mirror, like let's, what are you feeling anxious about? Or you're feeling angry. Okay. What are you feeling angry about? It's like, you know, like, okay, take a breath, relax and all that. And so I think that's, that's really important that, that you just said that. And then also like the emotional intelligence teaching children about emotions. Cause if we just like suppress those emotions in our kids to like, stop crying. Why are you crying? Stop crying. Why are you crying? Then they're not going to learn how to like navigate those emotions and like, and sort of like, you know, like, like, yeah, navigate them in a way that's like productive as adults. Right. They're also going to like suppress and then, and then lash out and all that stuff too. And, and, and yeah, it's just so, it's just so heartbreaking when you see sort of like the mistakes, at least speaking from experience, like anytime, like I've said something that I've like immediately regretted and then like see it come back in like something like my kid will say 
or do like a month later or a year. I'm like, oh, shit, no, no, no. Oh, I totally put that on you. I, I, I implanted that oh, yeah. by accident. I'm so sorry, you know? Yeah, no, man, uh, all this stuff is so good. And I think I really like uh, how you succinctly said it there as I was going on this massive ramble, uh, mad at the self. And it's not so much necessarily that you're mad at the self. And I, I think I just wrote that down. So I'm probably not paraphrasing well, but it's something to do with you that you are uncomfortable with. So kids for me, and I think you probably experienced this as well. They bring up things that we don't necessarily always want to feel. And that's maybe the crux of this is that when you've got kids, you can't hide from the fact that you are now out of control in many ways. You can't hide from the fact that there's someone other than you who needs your attention, time, and, and love. You can't hide from the fact that if you suck at certain things, it's now front and center all the time. And that's really <laughs> overwhelming. Like I, re I remember yelling at my one-year-old son like eight, nine years ago when he would come in my home office. I'd be like, oh no, like, can't you see I'm working? How dare you? What are you doing? And I look back and go, oh man, what kind of sicko was I? I and how tragic that memory is for me now because he's just interested. He's curious. He wanted to be around me. And my feeling was not like, oh, he should really respect my space. It's like, oh no, I'm going to control. If I'm not in control, I'm not perfect. If I'm not perfect, nobody's going to love me. If I'm not loved, I'm going to die. Like this was my crazy subconscious uh, like thought process playing out. And it was all because he just came into my room and I felt out of control. So they bring up things in us that are dormant, typically from childhood. And th this is like part of my, my process with the guys I work on, work with. We build a massive future vision. We support it with amazing non-negotiable present habits and we clear roadblocks from the past. Okay, so that's why this kind of stuff is important. And if you're listening going like, oh, childhood wounds, what are you talking about? It's like, well, <laughs> actually the way that you were parented and this is the double-edged sword, uh, double sword of being an unaware dad, so to speak, is that you get to see how your parents raised you and how that messed you up while witnessing how you are currently messing up your own kids. And it's like, man, staying grounded in that is very difficult, but it's so important. Because when I look back, I go, okay, there were experiences in my life, my dad leaving my mom, me not feeling like I was worth it, me not feeling like I could have my emotions heard by anyone and me having to take everyone else's emotions on my back. That's my experience. I'm sure if you look back at your childhood, you've got very uh, similar experiences that shaped you whatever way that was. Maybe your dad yelled at you. Maybe your dad didn't pay attention to you. Maybe your mom babied you forever, never let you go. Like there's all these little things that if they're not done intentionally by you know, really good parents, they suck. And it doesn't mean you can't get better, but it means it's more hard for us. And so, yes, I am seeing all these things from childhood come back up and go like, for example, I never had the space to express my emotions. How dare you, son, come into my office and scream at me? Like, I would never have been allowed to do this. And I don't know how to deal with that now. Right. So I feel like a little bit jealous that he's expecting this of me because like, I never got that. And man, that is the most childish thing to think. Like, I am the man now. There's only room for one child in a father-son relationship. Make sure it's not you, because for a long time it was me. Uh, and that really sucks. So like, this is all stuff that can be worked through. And my own process was I noticed all of this stuff that I was just oh, harboring from childhood. I was not letting it go. I was not working through it. I was just going like, oh, I'm a victim. My mom did this. If my dad did this. And it wasn't like super conscious. It was just in the back of my head, like, man, things right. would be better. I had different parents, things would be better. And it's kind of like, oh, what was me? And until I finally stated it out loud, which I think is what you were talking about at the very beginning of the show is, is sharing this kind of stuff openly and authentically. Until I said that, 
I remember I was sitting with my grandfather, one of our biweekly meetings. I was complaining. I said, oh man, I really wish my mom, my dad would just apologize. Like, who am I? Like, come on guy. Like, that's not what I should be saying. But then I said, I just feel like a three-year-old who wants his mommy and his daddy to be there for him. And then I started crying. I was like, what is going on? Because I got to the core of the issue. It's like, oh dude, I feel like I'm three. I have not yes. moved on from this point. And that's terrifying because who am I now? Like, I'm not three years old. I think it was 30 at the time. What am I going to do now? But the point is I grieved that. I let myself feel it fully. I didn't run from it. I didn't push it down. I didn't use it as a victim. I just was like, man, this sucks. This really, really sucks. I want someone to be bigger than me. I want my parents to care for me. And I will never get that because I'm never going to be three again. And letting go of that desire was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I desired this to be different and I knew I would never get what I wanted most. So through grief, I, able, I was able to process that and drop it. So I noted what the problem was. I owned it. Nobody's coming to save me. It's all on me. And then I transformed it and I dropped it. So that was a very difficult process. But guys, if you're listening, you've got things from your childhood that you haven't dealt with. That's one of the most powerful processes. You can get there through journaling, through being in a men's group, through sharing with a mentor like I did. You can express what that pain is and then own that nobody's going to save you. Nobody's going to give that back to you. And then you got to drop it. But make sure that when you drop it, you feel it fully because that is what gets you through it. Cry, scream, be really upset, and then move on. But until you do that feeling, you can't move on in my experience. So I'm not sure where I'm going with this now, but uh, yeah, that was that was big in my experience. Yeah. And to me, like the big takeaway there is like, it's it's up to us. It's up to you, listener, to break the generational sort of like cycles, right? It's like the the analogy that I come to mind is like, I'm not a big movie person or a big superhero movie person, but I did watch the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, where he's like holding on all the trains behind him. And like, he has like all his webs and his mask is all ripped up and his uniforms in tatters. And like, he's like literally holding a train behind him with all that weight and all that. And it's like literally crushing him. And it's like, you have to do that for all the generations of bullshit from your mom, your grandparents, your brother, and their parents and their parents and their parents. It's all that weight is on you right now, pushing against you. And like, you have to take the brunt of that and like prevent that from then encroaching on your children, right? Like they're going to have their own shit. They're going to have their own like, like adventures, their own like trials and tribulations, but like they can't also have like your generational baggage on them, right? Like it's up to you to stop that. And I think that's like, you know, hearing, hearing what you just said is just like that, that vision of like Spider-Man coming into mind. Um, but like, and you, so you said like, part of it is like, you know, oh, and the other thing I was thinking is like, and if you don't think you have like parent issues, just go hang out with your parents now. And how do you feel <laughs> when you're with them? Like how old do you feel when they're telling you to like do something or they're cleaning something off your face or they're telling you how to parent your kid or they're telling you like, why are you put your kids in this outfit? Or like, why do you, you know, like, and how, what is all, what are all those feelings that come up for you? Do you feel like an adult in charge or do you feel like you're three years old again? Do you feel like you're 10 years old again? Right. And, and so like those dynamics are still there. Um, and so like you mentioned, some of this work is like, you know, recognizing and digging through like your own stuff, but like, what are, what are some other things that guys can do now that they're like, maybe a little bit more aware they're listening to this and they're like, Oh shit, I, I, I do do this. I do take out my day on my kids. I do take out my, 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 my frustrations out of my family. I, my, my family is more happy when I'm at work. My family is happier when I'm out running errands. 
My kids are more at peace when I'm not home. I don't like that. What, 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 what are some of the things that guys can do? Man, the first thing that comes to mind is you have to get very clear and very honest about the consequences. So just forward vision, 10 years. What does that look like? Let's say you do nothing. Is there anyone left? If you don't get this under control, this is not the number one thing in your life. Like it was for me. Like, dude, when I look back at my last 10 years, I go like, oh, my full-time job was learning how to become a good dad. It wasn't whatever business I was building. It wasn't anything else. It was like literally every waking hour. And I know that it took away from my business too. Like I can see the times where I was just so much in this that I wasn't working as much. It's like, yeah, this was my full-time job because I knew that if I didn't do this, my kids were at a massive risk to turn out and do terrible things like make bad choices in drugs and friends and even just not to live their best life. Even to just feel crushed that I wasn't there and to live mediocre average lives. Knowing that my wife was already on the verge of wanting to leave me, 10 years more of this would have been gone for sure. And then what? Oh, look at this. I've got a business. Oh, I'm a millionaire. Great. Oh, at the end of my life, nobody's there. Nobody's weeping at my funeral. Well, guess I wasted my entire life. Like, guys, if you are not that serious about this, nothing else matters. I can tell you a journal. I can tell you to join a men's group. I can get you coaching. But if you don't understand the consequences of what your current ways of being are doing, you won't make that big change. You won't go through. You won't keep doing the right thing, even though it's hard. So first of all, understand just how dangerous it is to do nothing. So once you know that doing nothing is not an option, find every single possible means to do something. For me, that looked like journaling. It looked like mindfulness. It looked like intentionality behind everything I was doing. It looked like reading, I don't know, hundreds of books. It looked like coaching. It looked like trainings. Everything I could do to get on the path was important to me. And here's the thing that, man, I talked to some of my coaching clients and I'm like, I want to give you more, but the truth is you're already on the right track. Now you just have to keep up. And so at the beginning, at least the guys I work with, we equip them with the huge vision, the, the current uh, habits, clear some of the roadblocks. And it's like, now you just got to stay on course, man. And that's part of the hardest, especially for entrepreneurs. Cause it's like, okay, what's the next big thing? It's like, no, 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 dude, just like get your habits dialed in and attach the habits to the vision. So everything that you're doing, every book you're reading, every time you brush your teeth, every time you go to the gym, it's because you are the only person who can do this for your family. It's because you are the best dad in the world because you are the best husband in the world and the best husband and father in the world, he goes to the gym and he apologizes when he messes up and he takes a breath rather than screams at his kid. And he leaves the room and goes and does a hundred pushups to wear himself out when he's angry so that he doesn't scream. He does all of these things, every single thing in his life because he is that man nothing will take him away from that. So if you can internalize that massive purpose in your life as a father, if you can write down your ethos as a father from this moment forward and just live that every single day, that will get you so far. Because honestly, the stuff that you can do is pretty basic. Wake up a little bit earlier, go to the gym every day, don't eat like crap, uh, journal in the morning, read or pray or meditate in the morning. Um, after that, what do I do? I, I make breakfast for the kids. I'm spending time with them for 15 to 20 minutes in the morning. Dude, like it's so simple. The stuff to do, the doing part is simple, but you actually have to do it. And the doing it part comes from knowing how bloody important it is and making it a non-negotiable. And there are some other simple tactical things as well. Like again, action, the antidote to average. At the end of the day, this was a big one for me. I was bringing work home all the time, just in my head. It's like, oh no, I've got this idea. And I'm constantly thinking, constantly thinking, not present at all. And so what I would do is I created this routine at the end of the day where I just 
dumped all my thoughts into my notes so I could review them the next day. I'd look at my schedule to know what's coming up. I would literally like do something physical, close your laptop, smack your desk, touch the door frame or whatever as you're leaving and then say, I am done. And then lastly, ask yourself the question, how can I best serve my family right now? 100% of the time, it's not keep thinking about work. It's going to serve them, right? And then in the evenings, I also always journal about my day, what worked, what didn't work, what did I do? I can look back now on like years worth of journals and see what I was doing to give the best result. I always want to make sure I'm reading to the kids. I always make sure I'm giving a little bit of one-on-one time every day. Weekly, I want to do a weekly uh, family meeting, which we just did yesterday. I want to have a weekly date with at least one person in my family, one-on-one every week. And these are like, there's there's more of this. And I, I've just put this together in like this, this uh, habit stack that I've got. Yeah. But these are the things to do to get better. And along the way, you will just come across way, uh, uh, parts of your life that need to be examined. So it's super important to have the vision. It's super important to tie that vision to the habits. And then as you go along, you'll stumble. And that's where these roadblocks from the past come up that we've just spent the last 10 minutes talking about. That's where you dive in. So things will just come up, but only if you're acting. And when things come up, you journal about them. You talk to other good men about them. You think about them. You ask yourself why you do that and what it is you even do in the first place. And then you ask why four more times. So you get back to baseline. Why do I yell at my kid? Oh, because I'm annoyed. Why am I annoyed? Oh, because I never would have got that. Why didn't I ever get that? Because my parents didn't love me. Oh no, now I'm at the baseline. Oh no, now I can do something about it, right? Like that's the process of doing this deeper work is just go back and you find out the core why and you fill that in with either transforming it into something that's going to serve you or dropping it because you're not that little kid anymore. So much. You, what you just mentioned though, is like there there's, it's a lot. And then it's also not, it's like the daily habits, right? It's the same thing when it comes to fitness. People want to know like, is intermittent fasting or keto? The answer is progressive overload or, or hit the answer is CrossFit or Zumba. It's like, it doesn't matter. Are you drinking your water every day? Are you weighing yourself every day? Do you track your food? Are you eating most of your meals at home? Do you cook more at home? Do you go grocery shopping? Do you eat with your family for dinner every single day? If do you go for walks daily, do you move your body daily? If you do those things on a consistent basis, you're going to see results. And so like, how do I, how do I become like a better dad? Do I need to take this course or this thing? It's like, dude, just journal every day you know, have a strong vision, you know, like, and what's, what's at stake if you don't achieve what you want to achieve, um, visualize what success looks like every single day, visualize the things that can go wrong and how you could address them. Like one of your daily twos is, you know, visualizing the triggers of your kids frustrating you, right? Like the, what, what are, what are some of the things that they do to piss you off? Well, sit in that, think about it and, and, and allow yourself to feel those feelings. And then why might they be feeling this way? Why are they acting that way? Because it's, they're not doing it because they want to, you know, they're doing something, you know, to hurt you. They're doing it because they need help, right? Like they're not doing it against you. They're doing it because they need something. And then like, and then how could you address them compassionately? How could you handle the situation differently to the extent that it's almost a surprise to your kids that they're like, who's this guy, right? And so like, just have that like visualization every single day. And it's the same thing with health and fitness, like visualize going to work and like they bought, you know, the company bought, food for everybody for lunch. It's like, great, but I brought my own lunch. So I'm going to just stick to my own lunch. Right. So all that. And you just mentioned uh, a free habit stack that you put together for, for everybody. Uh, where can people find this free habit stack with everything you just mentioned? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's at dad.work slash habits. 
uh, dad.work slash habits. But yeah, man, I love how you put that with, um, with fitness too. It's exactly the same. And I think that's why I love fitness as part of my journey. And that's why I love it as like the core foundation of everything I do, because it's the literal exact same stuff. And the discipline that it takes to do all what you just said is the same discipline it takes not to scream at your kids to build a vision, to journal every day, even when you don't feel like it, to talk about emotions with other men, all of the same stuff start when you get good at doing disciplined things with your body and not eating that stuff. Like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm on a huge cut right now. I'm down like 178. I started at 202 or something like that. And man, wow. I am so close. And the other day, my wife made beef jerky because we were going hunting and it's like, I'm going to keep some of that because I'm going to hit my macros even when I'm hunting. I don't care. <laughs> and I like, I took a piece and it was like literally halfway to my lips. I said, no, I'm not this kind of guy. And I put it down and I was like, yes. So when you hit your discipline like that, you can look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day, even though you're hungry, even though you're miserable, even though you, oh, you don't want to do anymore. And it's like, I can do this. I am hard. I am the best dad. I'm the best man. I am so proud of myself. I love myself because of the man that he is and the way that he treats me. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you should be able to go, thanks, bro. Like you got me, you know, future me is me now. And you, uh, you know, passed me from eight weeks ago, man, he put in the work. And I love that. And now imagine your kids and your wife doing the same thing. Every time you show up, be the guy that they could not be possibly disappointed in. Be so man, be so consistent that you're boring. Just show up over and over and over, even when you don't feel like it so that they get so used to you being there. They're like, yeah, of course my dad's here. They take it for granted. Dude, you should want to be taken for granted in the best possible way by just showing up repeatedly because you feel better. They feel better. Everything goes smoother and you're designed to take more. You can carry the burden. Trust me. I thought I was like a super high achiever. And it turns out that I just needed higher, higher achievers to be around where I was like, oh, dude, I'm playing at like 80%. If I just dial it up to like even 90, wow, things have changed for me. And that took joining courses. It took joining communities like yours. It took joining coaches who could push me, who are like, yeah, dude, you can do so much more. What are you doing? And it's not like, oh no, man, don't shame me about this. It's like, oh, you're right. You can see my potential. I'm playing small. Let's go. And so now I'm in let's go mode right now. And dude, it's been the best possible thing. So if guys are listening and they're not in your program, if they're not doing this kind of work, sign up for something big and scary and challenging because that's going to make everything in your life better and easier. And everything you just said about like pushing past that discomfort is like, you have more to give. Like when you put down that jerky, you weren't starving. And when you wanted that jerky, you also weren't starving. You just wanted it, right? You maybe had a little hunger pain. You just like kind of wanted it. When you're on the couch and your kids want to come play with you and you're like, no, not right now. It's like, you just want to like relax. You don't have to relax. You're not like dying for sleep. Just get up. When your wife asks you for one more thing, it's like, no, babe, I don't want to do that. I'll do that later. It's like, just get up it's, you're going to be okay. Right. Even though you want it to relax, you don't absolutely need it in that moment. And like, yes, we could talk about self-care. Yes. We could talk about boundaries and all that. And that's for another episode, but, but, and all those things are still valid, but it's also about like over delivering and serving and just like giving more than your fair share for your family. Um, Kurt, any final words before we say goodbye? Because that was awesome. You are an incredible dude. And I'm still like inspired by you and so grateful that you took the time to share your story with, with, with everybody. And, and I'm so grateful for all the work that you're doing, including the habit stack, the, the course that I got to take. Um, and I'm excited to hear about all the new things that you're doing, um, with, 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 with dad work and, and, and the men's group and everything. So, um, any final words before we talk about where people can find you? 
uh, man, the, I really like that you touched on boundaries and self-care because that's, that's also important. You cannot, you know, show up when you are not uh, taking care of yourself, but you can do a lot more than you think you can. And boundaries are huge. That's one of, that's the top two things I work with guys, communication and boundaries. So absolutely don't sleep on that. And if you guys need resources, DM me on Instagram and I'll, I'll give some to you. Um, but yeah, man, I think that's it. You just got to future vision so big that it drags you along, even when you don't feel like it dial in your habits to be non-negotiable, to get that vision, deal with stuff as they come up and then build that on a base of discipline and brotherhood, accountability, all of these things, be with other men, share what's real for you and get around other guys. Cause we're not meant to do this alone. And I like to tell guys that a lone wolf does not raise a cub. So if you're a dad and you're playing the lone wolf game, like, dude, you are not showing up the way you're supposed to find a tribe, find your pack and, uh, and get some work done. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm so appreciative. I'm very, very happy to be on here and thank you so much for the opportunity. Kurt, thanks so much, man. And where can people find you on Instagram, the podcast everywhere and the habit stack again? Yeah, for sure. I think the podcast is probably the best place. We're doing a lot uh, there right now. The Dad Work Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Overcast, all the rest of them. Uh, Instagram, dadwork.kurt. And the habit stack is dad.work slash habits. And that's like, I think it's like, I don't know, 20 things that I do every day that just plug and play. If you do them, your life will get better. So uh, as a busy entrepreneurial dad. So that's it, man. I really appreciate this. And uh, we're gonna have to reciprocate and get you on the Dad Work Podcast as well. <laughs> Dude, that'd be awesome. And that habit stack is totally free guys. So yep. there's absolutely zero reason why you shouldn't go download it right now and then implement what you can from it and then slowly implement more. You don't have to implement the entire habit stack. It's going to be overwhelming. Implement, 100%. you know, do it bite-sized, do it like the first thing that's on there, or maybe the fifth thing, the, the, the thing that you feel is like the, the, the lowest hanging fruit for you. It's like, I'm going to attack this, do that for one week and then add a second thing, do that for, for, for another week and then add a third thing. You don't have to go all in on the deep end right away. Um, but build up, build up to it and then reach out to Kurt when you're ready for, for even more stuff. So Kurt, you're the man. Thank you so much, guys. If this has been inspiring one, you have to go follow uh, Kurt. You have to go download that habit stack. You have to listen to his podcast. And like Kurt said, like surround yourself by a group of like-minded guys. Remember you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Like, you know, this, we talk about this all the time and you want to level up your health, your fitness, your parenting game. You want to show up as the father you were meant to be the husband that your wife needs you to be the man that, every that, that our world needs you to be right so um if this is inspiring please go check out kurt and if you're curious about my one-to-one coaching program and it, whether it could help you hit your goals i would love for you to just go to forgingleadfathers.com click on that apply button and i'll personally be in touch to work out if and how my program could help you hit your goals so until next time legacy makers let's keep creating a legacy of health and fitness not only for ourselves but for generations to come let's go Bye.